The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I bet with FanDuel because they've got great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, MLB, and the PGA Tour with an app that's easy to use, safe, and secure. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. Must be 21 or older and present in select states only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-HOPE-NY or text hope ny. 467369 in New York. Tennessee Redline is 1 800 889 9789. 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming or visit 1 800gambler.net in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Melman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. Big, big show because the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, have begun. Game one is done. It was thrilling. In a few minutes, we're going to bring on Action Network hockey analyst Mike Leboff. The man, my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter, named as the person most likely he would nominate for president of the United States from the Action Network. Simon, I know you love when Leboff comes on. You're, you have an affinity for Leboff that runs very, very deep. I love it. It's pure fate because right now, if our shows are on our old schedule time and we were putting out our shows early in the day. We'd be doing NBA. Chad would want to do an NBA final show. We talk about the game tonight, but no. Luckily, the gods have given us this 11 p.m. release time. So we have Leboff on to talk to NHL Stanley Cup because now that basketball's over, we care about hockey again, Chad. So I love it. We, we both talked about it last night. That game, game seven, I mean, game one, going to overtime, It's hockey's the best. It's just, what was it, 3-1? I just remember turning to my buddy and being like, when a team's up 2-0, you know the team's going to come back and tie it. So I can't wait to hear what Leo's going to say because to me, it's it's why we love hockey so much. It's the best playoff sport, the drama. It, it's the best. And a four in a, in a first game, 4-3 overtime stunner. You can't ask for a better start to a playoff series. So I'm going to – I want Leboff to go deep on how he bet before the series began, how he would reconsider his betting now. He's got a lot of thoughts. Leboff is an inveterate – a hockey better. And um, I know, I know for a fact he will be betting Tampa in game two. We haven't even asked him that just based on what the money line price is going to be and how the bookmakers adjust. And he will explain the strategy and logic behind that. We do have to get to one thing. You mentioned NBA tonight, game six, you've got a considerable amount of money on the yep. Warriors to win the series. I, uh, have I have, yeah, I have famously, famously said warriors and six. I said it on the show. I said it on the Twitter. Uh, I've said it to anyone who would ask, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you when you and I were together on Friday night after the Phillies game 
I went back to my hotel in Philly. The, we were catching the second half of the Warriors Celtics game. You texted me to make sure I was still awake because normally I would be asleep at 10 o'clock. I did stay up that night. My heart was in my chest. Not so much because I bet on the Warriors to win in six. I bet on the Warriors to win in seven. I also don't forget that game. That was game four. four. Steph went off for 43. I also have a pretty sizable bet on Steph to lead the series in points per game and threes per (laughs) game. Uh, So I'm feeling really good about that. Yeah. But a reminder, Millman said Warriors and six. And this is when all of the models, all of our experts, everybody in the world is like Celtics are the better team. Take the underdogs, take the Celtics. You and I together, we were aligned. Warriors are going to win this series. There were a couple hoop heads. My favorite line, too, is people are talking about a historical defense from Boston. I believe only one team in the series has been held under three under 100 points three times. That team isn't Golden State. That team's Boston. So just a classic. People overrate certain things. They 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 uh, they just want the new toy to be the best toy. And me and Chad, we like the old toy. We like Golden State story. And we bet on the best player and the best coach. And it's working out for us. Who would have thought back in a coach who's coached in, what is it, six NBA finals now? He played in three would be a smart move instead of playing the rookie head coach. But yeah, it dude, was, he's won. Fun. He won five NBA titles as a player. That's crazy. You're right. Cause he got that one with San Antonio too, right? He's got a couple with San Antonio. He got uh, three, three with Jordan with the Bulls. He's amazing. Yeah. You know, look at us, look at us. <laughs> Let, let's bring in Leboff, who you said, if anybody from the action network should be president of the United States, it's Mike Leboff. Explain yourself and let Leboff respond. My whole theory is you need someone to be a little crazy, which we both know Leboff is, but you need someone to have at their core a good soul. And I can tell this man might be a little crazy, but at his core, he's a good guy. And we're, that's, I feel like we're lacking with these last, I don't know how many presidents we had, where it's like eventually they get in there and they get a little corrupt. I don't know how you corrupt Leboff. This man only cares about the Islanders. Maybe if the NFL commissioner, the NHL commissioner came to and said, hey, we'll give you a Stanley Cup. If you get rid of these electric cars and help these gas coming out, maybe Leoff would be like, all right, I'm about it. But I don't know. I just feel like it'd be hard to corrupt this man. And me, I could be easily corrupted. So that's why I'm looking at Leboff saying we need this is the kind of leader we need. You know what I think before we let Leboff jump in, a hundred percent agree with you, by the way, I don't think you're easily corrupted. I guess what I would say is you could be easily corrupted in your heart you would only be corrupted on things that like won't hurt anybody else. I think you always fall on the right side of history. I'm sure I'm saying I'm corrupted. If someone, if someone came in and said, we'll build you 70, you know, water parks. If you let us mine this copper out of this one mine on the side of this really beautiful neighborhood, I would say, get rid of that neighborhood. Give me those 70 water parks. I'd be corrupt <laughs> in that way. But yeah, no, like morally, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good with that stuff. Leboff, what's your, what are you going to campaign on? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Simon's sort of right. I'd love the opportunity to be corrupted, but it just hasn't hasn't happened yet. I can run a racket. I mean, I used to run a racket at the bar I, I bartended at with the, that had Joker poker machines that paid out of the uh, cash register. But my rule was that, like, as long as nobody nobody's getting hurt, like you're signing up to go into a bar and drink and and gamble, like that's on you, and you got to take the responsibility of what can come out of that. But if, if you're not, if you're if you're not part of the game or the system, 
I just don't want to hurt you or hurt your feelings. And I want to treat you with, with respect. So, you know, in, in terms of, of politics, I used to be in the world of politics for, for a hot minute. If you sign up for politics, it's similar, right? Like you're signing up for the choice of selling your soul or, or fighting the good fight. So for me, I, I would like to think, and I, and I did go, go for fighting the good fight and it didn't work. I got railroaded pretty hard and it was tiring and, and annoying. But if someone approached me, and was like, you know, we want you to do it again. I would listen to them. Every decision has context. Like we look at everything as black and white, but that's just not how it works in the, the, the real world. It's not how it works in a bar either. Like people need to like get a grip on that. I do think there's something to unpack there, which is about living by a very particular code, right? I'll leave off in a second. I want you to explain to people because we've opened this Pandora's box a little bit, what you're talking about with the politics and the railroading. Cause we, I don't know if we've unpacked it on the show, but you know, in Vegas amongst gamblers, there's a code, right? And well, you could argue that gamblers from the old time days, whether they were mafia connected, mafia adjacent, or just professional wise guys who weren't connected to any sort of illegal outfit at all, all lived by a very particular code in which you did the right thing, no matter what the circumstances. Like I know guys in Vegas who owed people money. And before they had a chance to pay this money, which was upwards of $700,000, um, the person that they owed died, natural causes. They still wrote the widow a check for $700,000. Just certain code-like things that exist that you guys are talking about that is commonplace in the gambling world. Lieboff, explain your political uh, road to inglory. It is all about a code and professional gamblers, uh, people who bar regulars, like they usually police themselves. Like the bar I worked at was was not a bar of, of repute at all. Like it was ugly gambling going on all over the place. Nobody came in there that wasn't a regular basically, but I only had to break up in like three or four years of working two fights, one between telephone Mike and this guy Marcus and another between two people who, who never came to the bar. But other than that, like they, they police themselves. And, and that's what I believe in. Like, like, I'm not, I don't want to meddle. I don't know what it's like to be, you know, Simon Hunter every day. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust that Simon Hunter can, can make the right decisions for Simon Hunter and, and hopefully help society. But yeah, yeah, when I was 21, 2011, I ran for, for mayor on a, a, a platform I like, like to call utopian and idealistic. I grew up in a suburban town on Long Island and I just wanted to, you know, make it more friendly not have the the local government like is like full of red tape and whatever. And so I tried to like simplify things. And at first, like my candidacy got some hype, as you could imagine, a 20 ish year old running for mayor would. And, you know, a lot of the ideas I had on my platform ended up being roped into the winner, uh, his platform. But yeah, I got I got railroaded a couple of times. You know, there there's some weird lo- local election laws that that they they made up on the spot, like the day before, I think there was a Memorial Day parade. They called me and were like, just so you know, you're not allowed to march in parades. That sounds stupid. And I wasn't planning on marching in a parade, but that's fine. And then the next morning I had like 20 people call, call me, call my parents. They're like, where is he? Why isn't he at the Memorial Day parade? Does he not care about the troops? And I'm like, what? You just told me I couldn't do it. So then I went, it was like, okay, I guess I got to like, you know, show up and, and be a politician in this parade and do what politicians do in parade, which is walk, which is just goes to show you how low the bar is for, for politicians. So then I, I did. And, and as I was doing it, the, the local elections chief like came up to me, was like, we told you, you can't walk in this. And I said, someone just told me I like, I have to. And they're like, well, who was it? Was it an elections official? I said, no. And he's like, 
yeah, they, those are probably people who work for your opponents, like trying to get you in trouble, like get out of here. <laughs> so then a couple of weeks later, there was a debate, totally dumb on both my part. Like it was a mistake on my part to, to, to turn down the debate because it was, it was basically going to be set up for the guy who won. Plus I was 20, you know, didn't know how to debate, obviously. So I, uh, I went to Bonnaroo. Uh, I had tickets for Bonnaroo. So I went down to Manchester, Tennessee. And that day, Newsday called me. They were like, hey, we're, you know, doing a, a story on local elections. And we're, we know that there's a debate tonight. So we just wanted to, to talk to you and whatever. Um, so I did the interview. I did fine. And uh, like, as you can imagine, I was at Bonnaroo. So I was a little overserved and maybe indulged in, in some stuff and did the interview it was fine. I thought the, the interview went well, but my opponent found out I was, I was there. It got out pretty quickly that I turned down the debate to go to a music festival. Whereas I, I legitimately turned it down just because I didn't want to do it. I find debates to be abhorrent and, and useless. You know, it's all bullshit. We buff. I would have loved to have seen you as mayor. That's all I got to say about that. Last night in uh, game one of the Stanley cup in Denver, uh, Colorado, which had been a season-long favorite. Uh, if they win this series, could go down as one of the three or four best teams in NHL history. Unbelievable offense, great smothering defense, playing Tampa Bay Lightning, two-time defending champ in the Stanley Cup. They also could go down as a dynastic franchise with a win like this, being only the third team to win three cups in a row. And for some reason, like I looked at this like, more than ever before as Tampa being a much bigger long shot than they would have been in the other two Stanley cups. And in the first period, Colorado dominated to me, right? Like more shots on goal. They kept the puck in Tampa Bay's uh, end of the ice. They're up three, one 48 seconds in the span of 48 seconds in the second period, Tampa Bay ties it. What was your reaction to the game last night? Who did you bet to begin the series? Yeah, I bet the, the lightning, and I also bet uh, their goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, to pitch a shutout, which will go down as, as a bad bet. But I'll do it again probably for game two. He's, he's just that good. I, it kind of – I thought there's a chance Colorado would be rusty off the long break in hockey. They implemented bye weeks a couple seasons ago, and, and it became evident that the team teams off of long playoffs, if they're playing a team that is in some sort of rhythm, they tend to, to struggle because it's, it's such a rhythm sport, especially with the goaltender. Colorado was not rusty. No, they were not. Um, they're really good. This is the second time that they've won game one off a sweep, which is usually, like I said, a, a pretty good spot to, to fade a favorite like that. I think it's like 59% before last night uh, since 2012 that a team, the team that swept uh, lost game one. But if it was like all things being equal, there was no rust versus rest narrative. I think that game kind of went how I expected it. Like Colorado's going to dominate the puck. They're going to dominate the shot clock and uh, scoring chance battle. But Tampa Bay is such a good counterpunching team and they have the goal goalie to, to keep them in games where they're dominated. They'll just hang around and they have this like innate, they, I mean, they've broken my heart twice. They beat the Islanders in the last two Eastern conference finals uh, in, in a game six. And then in a game seven, that game seven was a one, nothing win where, where Tampa Bay kind of just sat back and, and just waited for one mistake from the Islanders and they got it uh, against the avalanche. It's, it's, it's going to take a little bit more, but Colorado plays a, such a high risk, high reward type of play that they'll, they're going to be able to, to hang around in the series, whether they win it or not, who knows, but uh, they, they can just absorb so much pressure and so much pace and they, they block shots so well. You'll, you'll hear that on the broad broadcast. Like they're the best shot blocking team in the NHL, which um, is, is 
honestly true. Like they're, they're so good at getting in lanes. And, and when you block a shot, what happens? Like the puck can go anywhere and they have the forwards that know, like they, they're so trained to know that I need to be first to that puck. And if I'm not going to be the guy to the puck, I need to be the guy, you know, running the go route looking for the pass to spring a on man rush. And we saw a couple of those last night. I mean, the, the goal, the Kucherov goal, um, I mean, that was Palat, but the pass from Kucherov, like they're so good on, on man rushes that you give them three opportunities. They're probably gonna score two. So uh, it's, it's a great battle, you know, styles make fights and it's a great battle between someone who wants to be super, super aggressive. Uh, and then the other team that is totally okay with that and they'll rope a dope and then try to strike back on the counter. I mean, honestly, for me, I bet the Lightning before the series started because of what Lee Buff just talked about. I thought the Avs would come out sloppy, and it's kind of heartbreaking where they were literally one bounce away from taking that game. I mean, that third period, how many chances did Tampa Bay have to get that goal? And it was just – I mean, that was that was really tough, especially – that's just – to me, that would be a big deal. Is that You just talked about the Avs are a young team. Like, if Tampa would have gone up 1-0, I honestly think that would have been a huge deal in this series. But for me, is that some of that back Tampa before that puck even dropped last night – I'm not worried at all. Like, if you if you bet on Tampa to win this series, they were just down 2 out of the Rangers, and if you believed in them at that time, which I did, you're just not worried at this point with the Avs. Like, I think the Avs are a really good team, but Tampa is so proven. I, I really, watching that game, like you talked about, them blocking the shots, it's incredible. Like, that Florida series, I watched a lot of them versus the Panthers. That was insane. Like, the Panthers were this really high-octane offense, and Tampa just shut it down. Like, literally every shot they would take, they were just in front of. Again, these guys are throwing faces in front of pucks. Like they are mental, this Tampa team. So I'm right there with you, Leboff. I'm I'm on I'm on Tampa, but I, it's interesting hearing your view on the game after that first one because it seems like you're not that worried either. Like you're still you still think Tampa is a good shot in this matchup. Yeah, I this this kind of went as planned, I think, right? Like they've lost game, they lost game one to the Leafs. They were outplayed for like the first five games of that series. Toronto probably should have won that series like four, one, maybe four, two. Um, and, but Tampa just, they don't panic. They kind of pace themselves in a series to, to get them to the point where the adjustments start to pay off and matter. Uh, and if, if they get to a game six or a game seven in a series, like they're probably going to win it. Cause they just know how to navigate those, those murky waters. And uh, then they did it obviously again, like you said, against the Rangers, like t- down two nothing, two nothing in game three as well. And they come back like without any panic. And, and rip off four wins. And it was just a quick aside. Like, like I said, they did rip my heart out and eat it in front of my face the past two springs, but then they beat the, the lightning and the Rangers uh, for I'm excuse me, the Leafs and the Rangers for me, this, this postseason. So I'm like, all is forgiven. This team is totally good by me now uh, because like the, the existential dread that comes with the, the Leafs and the Rangers too, like having a, a, a divisional rival in your own backyard, making a run that they were very lucky. And, and the, the difference between the Rangers and the Islanders, like when the Islanders are making a run, you're a part of it. Like you can go to the building, you tickets aren't like crazy expensive, but with the Rangers, it's like, they're just watching the Rangers make a playoff run. Like it's like Rangers fans watch a movie about range, the Rangers making a playoff run. Whereas Islanders are just a part of it, like living in it. Um, you know, I don't need to see Liam Neeson and Tom Hanks in the <laughs> second row of Madison Square Garden every game. But yeah, the, like I was saying, that the, the Lightning are just so good at just, they'll just tread water. They won't panic. Like, I mean, you even saw them yesterday after they lost the game. Like they showed the tunnel shot and, you know, the, mo- nobody's like bent over, like stick on stick on knees. They just kind of just went to the locker room as this is what was supposed to happen. Like they're they're this is where they're at their best. And 
honestly, even if they lose game two, I'm not going to panic. Like you could go into an 03 hole, maybe. Uh, so I actually like Tampa on the series line. We, we talked about this online change, which is our NHL betting podcast with uh, me and my colleague, So Money Sports. That if you're going to bet Tampa in game two, you might as well also take a shot on them to come back and, and win the series. Because if they win game two, they flip the script. It's home ice advantage for, for the Lightning for the last best and the best of five series now. So this team, they're going to be around. Colorado is, is a different beast from, from maybe the Rangers, but the, the Maple Leafs are, were a really good team all season. Like people thought that they were the third best team in the NHL behind Colorado and Florida. They already beat Florida. Then they already beat Toronto. Like they can hang with this team. So uh, I'm not worried yet at all. Uh, and, and I would encourage if you were to ask me a, a bet on uh, Tampa to, to come back. So it's plus 230 right now at FanDuel Tampa to win the series. All right. So would you like better Tampa plus one plus one and a half for the series at plus 116 on uh, FanDuel? No, I, w- I would just go go for them to, to win the series. Take cool. the price. You mentioned the Rangers during the Rangers lightning series. The New York Post was all over this and they had a story about uh, a little less than a week ago about a Rangers fan who cold clocked and knocked out a lightning fan. You have a very specific angle on this story. To be clear, there was a Rangers fan who completely and totally after game six, I think, uh, at MSG knocked out a Tampa Bay Lightning fan after the game. I'm not shocked that somehow you are tangentially connected to the story of a fight at MSG after a Rangers game. Yeah. Yeah. It was game, it was game five. So the lightning just went up three, two on a last minute goal uh, off of Andre Palat's shin pad. And so Ranger fans were leaving the building uh, in a huff and as as they're want to do, like that's totally okay. But then someone did something that's not totally okay. And, and sucker punched a, a lightning fan. It was like a gutless move. The video went viral. And I know that, so my brother, my younger brother, Danny, he's been uh, in the NYPD for quite a bit. He's, he's a detective getting guns off the street, Simon, getting guns off the street, but he every now and then will pick up details. And he picked up a detail for a lot of the Ranger playoff games as just, you know, picking up overtime to work security at uh, MSG uh, and helping, you know, keep things because MSG is right above Penn station. So a big piece of real estate in the city, let's say. Um, so he was actually escorting this woman out of the building. She, he was throwing her out because she just chucked a, a, a full beer at a lightning fan after, after the goal. So my brother was just escorted her out, turned back around to come back to his spot. And as that was happening, uh, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of Ranger fans, you know, to their credit, were like, you know, stop that guy, stop that guy. And he, and they were like the guy with the red shirt, that guy had, had a, made a bad wardrobe decision. Rangers, uh, obviously they wear their blue sweaters at home and, and most people are in a blue sweater. This guy had a, a red Rangers jersey on. He was from Staten Island, Chad, but as you and I know that a stereotype that I don't believe in, I think people from Staten Island are, are, are great. I love Staten Island. So this guy cold cocks someone, makes a beeline for the exit and my brother tackled him into a, a merch table and detained him. And he had no idea. This is the best, it was his 30th birthday over the weekend. And so I saw him and I was, t- we were just talking about the story. So he had no idea what happened. And in the morning, you know, a bunch of people had sent me this video. I texted it to him. I was like, tell me you arrested this guy. And he said, I did. I know you, what you said off the jump, like you're not surprised I'm connected to it, but my brother just has a, has like a weird 
way of just always popping up wherever he's needed. And even when he was like 12, like he, he rescued a dog on a frozen lake once. He was just like walking by and like some lady's dog went onto the lake and was like scrambling and he saved it. Um, so like he just has a way of, of kind of popping up in, in those spots. But he was telling me the story and he's like, I had no idea how big of a deal like it was. All he knew was this guy was being pointed by a crowd of people who were saying like, stop him. He did something. He, so he's like, I didn't say he was arrested. I was like, I'm just detaining you. I have no idea what happened. I just need to like put you aside and until this all gets settled, he put him in cuffs. And and I guess the guy was like mouthing off and spitting at him. And then it was like, you know, I can't believe you do this to another Ranger fan. And my brother was like, I'm an Islander fan. (laughs) 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 That guy is is in a heap of heap of trouble. One of my mom's best friend, her name is uh, Teresa Coe from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and an incredible Ranger fan. She, she talks shit to me all the time whenever the Rangers are making a run or the Islanders lose or whatever. Just respect. I respect her so much. She was so upset because she was at my brother's birthday. She said something to me which really resonated, which was when, when your team is on a playoff run, like as a fan, you have a responsibility to be on your best behavior. Because if you're the fan that then provides a distraction, like that's not good. Like you, everybody needs to be pulling the rope in the same direction. It's almost like when a pitcher is pitching a perfect game, like everyone leaves them alone. Like you don't want to get in the way. Like you're there to support the team. You're not there to distract from the team. And this guy did it. And she, she looked at me and she's like, this guy just cost us the Stanley cup. And she's, she is hundred percent sure that guy threw their whole season out, out the window. You know what? Teresa lives by a code. Danny Leboff lives by a code. I think he'd be an incredible running mate for you. <laughs> when you run for president. We're very, very different people, as you can imagine, because I literally would be the worst cop. I would let every, everybody go. I would be like, go on. I trust you. <laughs> just just learn, learn from this mistake and, and uh, call me in a couple of years and let me know where you are in life so I can feel like I made the right decision. So the other video, the guy was yelling in his ear while they were walking down. If you're wearing an away jersey as a fan and you just won a really tight game, and you're in the Northeast, even in the South, I'm sure you might get knocked out or West Coast. Unless you're in the Midwest, please, people, <laughs> don't be yelling in people's ear. It's like, me and Chad went to a Phillies game. Couldn't be nicer the crowd, right? If me and Chad were cheering and yelling every time Arizona was getting big hits, I'm sure someone would have followed us to the bathroom and tried to fight us. Because I'm just saying, these fans have crazy, like these, the Northeast just has crazy fans. So I feel bad for that woman feeling that that ruined the reputation of Ranger fans. I mean, everyone knows there's bad eggs. Like literally I'm an Eagles fan. We have the worst fans in all of sports. I, I get that. Like I go to Eagles games. I see it. No one's hiding it. Like we really are the worst. I don't think other Rangers fans is being classless. Yeah, I got lucky where apparently he's fine. Thank God. And apparently he got tickets right from Tampa Bay's ownership to their next game or something like that, which is again, no one's got punched in the face, but it's nice that a classy organization took care of this guy and hooked them up. Pretty lucrative knockout that he took. Yeah, yeah. At least he could eat, he knows he can eat a punch. Yeah. All right, listen. Anyone who wants to get more on the Stanley Cup, listen to him. That's Mike Leboff and So Many Sports. That is his co-host. He's hockey's version of Simon Hunter. You can listen to him every week on Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook throughout the NBA Finals. FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with the same game parlay. But for me, 
My favorite bet for the NBA Finals is still Steph Curry to win Finals MVP. Just sign up with promo code FAVORITES if you haven't tried FanDuel. Now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the Finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code FAVORITES and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older and in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires 14 days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado. Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Before we go, Matt Mitchell, you have a follow-up to one of our What Are the Odds stories. I sure do. I got an email last night from Christopher Frost, who was the listener that provided the Sports Illustrated coincidence story a few weeks ago. And I, uh, I want to just read that email in its entirety and get your guys' reaction. It reads, Hey guys, ever since you read my Sports Illustrated story a few weeks ago, I've gotten kind of freaked out whenever I notice strange coincidences taking place. But last week, I went to Disney World with my in-laws and had a bizarre experience. I don't care if you even read this email. I just feel compelled to share it with someone. So my wife and I arrived in Orlando, and in the car from the airport, we're talking about Tim McGraw. Because I'm a better, I asked my wife, how old do you think Tim McGraw is? I'll guess 54. My wife says, I'll take the over. Turns out he's 55. She takes the win there. Later on in the same ride, we discussed the new Live Golf Tour and became curious about the name. And we learned that Live is the name of the tour because it's L-I-V, the Roman numeral 54. And they selected it because a birdie on every hole on a standard par 72 course is a 54. When we arrive at the resort, we check in and we're assigned to building 54. At this point, I'm feeling a little strange, but I don't mention anything to anybody just yet. We head out immediately to the Disney park using the skyline. When we get into our gondola cart, I notice that the number of our cart is, of course, 54. I finally tell my wife that this is getting a little crazy. Tim McGraw's age, the live tour, the building, the gondola, all in one day. Next up, it's our time to get on our first ride. After the ride is over, my wife looks at me, her eyes popping out of her head. The carts on this ride also have numbers. She sees that three carts in front of us is number 51. She asked the people behind us, hey, what's the number of our cart? You guessed it, 54. At the end of the day, we head back to the resort using the skyline again. We're in line waiting. And of course, I see cart number 54 circling around towards us. I start shouting, no way, no way. But sure enough, the very confused looking staff member motions for us to get into cart 54. Now my wife is very legitimately freaked out thinking something very strange is happening. I then turn and see that my mother-in-law is on the phone and has begun laughing. She was trying to make dinner reservations for our party of nine that night, but was told they couldn't accommodate a party that size and instead offered her, quote, a table of five and a table of four. 
And although the weird number game stopped there, I will note that this all happened on June 9th, 6-9, and 6 times 9 is, well, you get it. Thanks. Love the show. Sincerely, Christopher Frost. Holy fuck. That is a little bit freaky. Yeah. I mean, I would say I have a weird thing with numbers too. Like I, I see patterns a lot, but that's like next level. Like basically a really close friend of mine, he wore number 44. So I have four and four for some reason in my life pops up a lot. Uh, literally my car, I just bought, it's an M44. Like it's just, there's a lot of weird things like that, but that is really freaky in such a small amount of time to keep getting five and four. Um, if I was you, I would have gone either played the lottery, maybe go into a casino and put all my money on 54. And I don't know, I didn't something to make money off that number because there someone was telling you something. Someone was trying to tell you something. So that is really weird that that just kept popped up, popping up that way. Simon, can I tell you something? Talk to me. Do you want to know what my favorite number is? 44. Yep. Is it really? Yep. That's totally. so fucking weird. No joke. Me and Chad did not discuss this. That is fucking weird. You'll appreciate the origins of this. Before Michael Jordan came to the Bulls in the early 80s, my favorite player, my favorite sport was basketball. My favorite team were the Philadelphia 76ers. Hmm. My nickname was Dr. C because I <laughs> love Dr. J so much. I love the number four, which was worn by Clint Richardson on that 83 76ers team. And then I decided, well, I can't get enough of the number four. So why would I just want one four when I could have two fours? So growing up in any basketball league I played in or when I played high school basketball, I went for the number 44. That is so weird, man. Yeah, that, that number, a lot of good things happen in my life and 44 pops up with it. It's weird. I like that Chad was called Dr. C and he thinks it was because <laughs> of Dr. J and not because he probably looked like a young podiatrist. Oh, awesome. I thought you were calling him the C word. <laughs> <laughs> for Mike Leboff, for Simon Hunter, for Matt Mitchell, I am Chad Millman. This has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us from Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. Love you.